Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. All right, guys, this week on the show, I get to talk with one of my actual favorite people on the planet, pastor, writer, podcaster, Adam Weber. And we got to have a really personal and vulnerable conversation about what love looks like, what love looks like with people who aren't necessarily lovable, with people that are easy to love. Uh, At one point, I think he made me cry, but I also think he did a really good job of covering for me, so you can't really tell that I was crying. But altogether, this is one of my favorite interviews and episodes I've gotten to do in a really long time, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. Adam, hey, welcome to the Crappy Christian Podcast. Blake, it is a huge honor. Uh, I've loved every minute, and we haven't even started recording until right now, and so it's a gift to be on the podcast with you. These are always the best interviews when we have to, oh, shoot, we've been talking for 15 minutes. We have to start (laughs) recording. (laughs) I love it. So you're here to talk about your new book and your first book and kind of your life, but your book that just came out in August is Love Has a Name, and it's just talking about focusing on how to love people like Jesus did, which is kind of the goal, right? So uh, first, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, and then tell us how you got to the point of writing Love Has a Name. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I'm uh, born and raised in South Dakota. Been here my whole life with the exception of three years when I got my master's out in Kentucky. Came to Christ later on in high school, had a radical transformation, wanted nothing to do with God at all. Still can't believe I'm a pastor. Like <laughs> I, 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 I finished my message for this week and I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I've been doing it for some time. So came to Christ, went to business school. I went to school for business and marketing. Always thought I'd work in an ad agency. Uh, I just love the look and feel of things. I love to start up companies in general. And anytime I have a chance, I'm meeting with a business leader later today, and I'll be a nerd just hearing about his story. So love business. Always thought I'd do ministry. I'm putting that in quotes through through a business of some kind. The summer before my senior year of college, though, I ended up filling in for a pastor. Craziest circumstances ever. I was supposed to be on a spring break trip. Me and two buddies, we were trying to buy a crappy car in downtown Sioux Falls, we were going to drive it to California, leave the car and see who could hitchhike back fastest to South Dakota. That, that, was, that, was, that was our spring break trip, but the guy would not sell us the vehicle cheap enough. And so craziest circumstances, fill in for this pastor. Within the first week, I knew I was supposed to be a pastor, went to seminary. The day before I went to seminary, I got married to my wife. And so we got, we got married and we, I always say our honeymoon, we went to places like extravagant cities like Lafayette, Indiana, like where Ooh, everybody goes. Oh, fancy. It's much better than Hawaii. And it's 100%. a hundred percent. So <laughs> went to Kentucky. I finished my school there before my last year. The pastor led me to Christ, had the idea of starting a new church in Sioux Falls. I thought it was a bad idea. Didn't want to do it. Uh, basically, I didn't have the courage to tell him no. And so at 24 years old, I started a church. I'm like, I wouldn't let my 24-year-old self borrow the keys to my car right now. Right, right. So started a church. That was 2006. 
been married to my wife, Becky, for 16 years. We got four kids, which is insane and awesome. <laughs> I love my life. We, we live in the, kind of the hardest Sioux Falls. Our house is a 1907. We just finished <sighs> uh, restoring a drug house that was behind ours. And now that's- I a, saw that on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah so that's our Airbnb. And um, we just, it's, a, it's really been cool to bless people. Last night, I just told a pastor that's coming through town and I know he's kind of going through some stuff. Hey, when your family comes to town, stay for free. Here's the yeah. passcode. It's yours. Use it. Get up and leave whenever you need to leave. And so that's kind of the kind of the quick story of who I am. Um, how the book came about. I have very few gifts, but one of them is a genuine love for people. Like I've just always loved people, and I've had a heart for the outsider. I was an outsider in elementary school, and that's never left me. And so mm-hmm. I've always just had a love for people. And I've always wondered, like, how do you become an old, grumpy, bitter person? Like, I just, mm. I couldn't fathom that. Like, uh, I'm just like, when do you become Scrooge? You know, like, but then, <laughs> so fast forward to, I'm 38 now. And really, I asked that same question, but the total opposite. My question now is, how do you get to be 60 years old and still have a soft heart? How do you mm. get to 60 years old and still assume the best? Yeah. How do, you, how do you get to 60 years old and still love people who are maybe unlovable because now that seems foreign to me. So a couple of years ago, I went through really the hardest season of my life. I had to make a hard leadership decision and had a whole bunch of people walk, walk out of my life. People who uh, just legitimately heard gossip and walked away and it mm. devastated me. Mm. And on top of that, I was probably already in a season of being burnt out. And so I was tired and exhausted. And so really for the first time in my life, two, just over two and a half years ago, I was just sick of people and I I wanted to love my wife and kids, a few close friends, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to today, I'm now at the healthiest place in my life and our world feels like I did two years ago. Our world's like, I want to love a few close friends, my family, and everybody else can kind of screw off. If you think differently than me, vote differently, act different, look at whatever it is. You can just mind your own business. Mm-hmm. And so it's so crazy that this book really came out in the heart of what it is. So that's really where this book came from. I wrote this book, not even because I needed a second book for a book deal. <laughs> I wrote this book. I'm putting this in quotes. Basically, I had to relearn how to love Yeah. when I didn't want to love anybody. I had to relearn how to love when I was jaded, when I was hurting, when I felt broken, like legitimately. I didn't want to love anybody. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had to relearn how to love because uh, thankfully and unfortunate, unfortunately for me at the time, Jesus is like, oh, loving me and loving others is the most important thing. And I'm like, I want to do the first thing. Can that not be? Yeah. yeah. Can I just not pass on the, the second thing? And so thankfully God didn't let me stay there. Mm-hmm. So that painfully resonates for me. Uh, do you Do you know your Enneagram type? I'm a three. Okay. I thought you were a three. I'm an eight. You're, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we were just, my, my assistant and I were just talking about eights this morning. That was, we were I like, wish you could Dear Jesus, video. Would, you move, would you move in their soul, guy? Would you? No, you keep going. <laughs> I have like tears. I'm laughing so hard. I wish you could have seen, like, I wish people could see the video of <laughs> response just now because it's so accurate but especially to what we're talking about I don't want to love like I want to love my people and then like peace like I'm good I don't need you don't need me like (laughs) we good (laughs) you know and God is doing pretty much the same thing that he did in your life in mine kind of through the same circumstances of having people walk out and being like, honestly, being like, okay, see God, this is what happens when I love people. So no, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I will say that even though my natural hardwiring isn't to really need a lot from people, I'm learning that life is better and sweeter and more full when I choose to do it with people need and what's like need versus created for right yes that's good i may not need quote unquote community like some other people need it to like 
get going and keep going, but that yes. doesn't mean I wasn't created for it. Yeah, that that's really good. And for for me, I am a, I'm a diehard. I'm a di- I'm much different than an eight. Yeah. One, one of my one of my closest executives on staff here is an absolute eight. You never have to question what Travis is thinking. Nope. He lets you know, super confident. Bam. I'm the total opposite. Huge people pleaser. Yep. And so I want everybody to like me. And really, as a pastor, I mean, it's a setup for an unhealthy three, an unhealthy people pleaser to try to please everybody. And I feel like for the first however many years of the church, I did that. And then to do that and to still have people walk out Mm. was gut-wrenching. I mean, it was devastating. And yet, even in that season, God used it. I felt felt like God during that time said, Adam, I didn't cause this, but I'm absolutely going to use this to address something that I've been trying to address in you since you were a little boy. You've been a people pleaser since you were a little tyke. And I've tried to address this. I'm going to use this. I didn't cause this, but I'm going to use this to address some things. And so I look at even myself now and how much healthier I am. I wouldn't wish that season on my worst enemy. It was horrible. And yet God used it for so much good. And I also came to understand so much of the heart of God through it as well. Something when I, when I read the Bible, I just couldn't understand because I'd never experienced it. The amount of times that people walk out on Jesus, the amount of times mm. that people betray Jesus, the amount of times people say one thing to him in his face and then say something else behind his face over and over and over again. That's a huge part of the heart of God and what, what God has experienced that I just had no, like no experience with. And so it's so weird because in the past, one of the, one of the things that just always strikes me in the past, oftentimes when you read a gospel, there's a miracle and a miracle. And then there's some transition verses, you know, it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. fed 5,000 walks on water. And it's like, let's preach on those. Well, the transition verses, I'd always skip over because it's like, what's the big deal with these verses? Well, the transition no. verses are now what, to me, I'm like, that's what makes Jesus so different than me. Not the miracles. Those yes. are definitely, but it's these transition verses because the transition verses usually is this. So there's a miracle and then it says, and many walked away from him. Or tried to attack him. Or tried to kill him. Yeah. Literally. And then he does another miracle. And for me, I'm like, I do a miracle and many people walk away. We're done. Exactly. And it's like, Jesus, that's what makes the way you love people is what makes you so different than me. And every level, you know, even Jesus is like, anybody can love people who like them. Anybody can love their people. But that's, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to love even these people, even people who are your enemies. And oof, yeah. it's hard. So talking about being a people pleaser, I, am, I don't struggle with that at all. <laughs> Please give it I to do- me. I know, right? I receive. <laughs> I receive that spirit. Yes. And don't worry, that has its own pitfalls. Like, that has its own pitfalls. <laughs> You're but, like, I promise. I promise. I promise. But what I was thinking when you were talking about, like, that you've struggled with that for so long is that people pleasing isn't love. It's not. It can dress up like love. Oh, wow. Absolutely. But it's not love. It's not. Oftentimes, specifically when it's unhealthy, it's all about the person, exactly. all, about, all about me. It's like, mm-hmm. I want you to, to love me, to like me, to be okay with me. And so I'm doing this to get that. Even if it's not, even if the, the person's like, well, I'm glad that you do this because this is awesome. Like, thanks for being right, so kind to right. me. It's actually not about that person. And that's another huge thing that came out of that time. Now I'm able to love people with legitimately nothing in return. In the past, yes. I would have said, I'm not asking for anything in return. I don't want anything. Right. I don't want anything from you. But you didn't maybe want anything, but you needed something I did. to be reciprocated. I did. And it wasn't genuine love. And mm-hmm. now, and, and again, loving out of being first loved yourself, now yes. I'm able to genuinely just care for a person and there's no expectation. Mm-hmm. Like you might walk away from me tomorrow and that's okay. I'm going to continue to love you anyway. That's a totally different thing. It's a sustainable as well. Exactly. It's like, I can keep doing this because it's not coming from me and my heart longing to be loved. No, I'm doing this because I've already been loved so well. And yes. I've, I've been loved so well. And so I can't help but love you, even when I don't want to. 
even, yeah. when, even when you're a pain in the rear and you're like that rock in your, my shoe that I can't get rid of. Like, even yeah. then I can, I can love you expecting nothing in return. It's so much healthier. It looks very similar, but it's totally from a different place. Exactly. That's why I kind of said it can dress up as, and it can feel like it Absolutely. for the other person, you know? We're going totally off script, which I knew we would. So talking about that season of yeah. all these people walking away, how have you navigated like those relationships? They hurt you, right? They believed gossip or whatever the situation was. How have you navigated deciding to talk about that publicly while still honoring and respecting the people that that happened with? That's a great question. So, uh, you know, even as it was happening, I really felt like God was saying, do not try to defend you. One of the hardest Mm -hmm. things about leadership, you try to defend yourself, you look more guilty. Amen. So first off that, secondly, I really felt like God was saying, you do not defend yourself. I will defend you. I will defend you. Again, high people pleaser. Yep. I want to fix things. Yeah. I want to like, let me tell you my side of the story. Right. Like they're walking away and you're like, no, 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 no. Like I can fix this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I clearly distinctively daily, almost minute to minute, Adam, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to defend you. Even if I had friends that were fairly close friends of mine that I could tell had, had changed since the last time I talked to them, maybe two days prior, uh-huh. I still felt like I wasn't supposed to tap them on the shoulder. So for months, I didn't say a word. The only time I spoke is if someone came to me. And if someone reached out to me, I would try to meet with them within 24 hours. And I would start by saying, any question is fair game. And the second thing, if I say a dishonoring word for a moment, cut me off because that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And those two things came from totally from God. Oh, yeah. I mean, even even just that. And it was what, what was so cool is I can look back at that season and there's no scarecrows that I need to like, oh my gosh, I hope they don't talk to this person. Right. I had my few core crew that like, and that's different than gossip. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the people that carry the mat when you're paralyzed to Jesus. Amen. So that's a different thing. So I had those and away from that did not say a word. And I just kept feeling like what's said and done in private will be shouted from the rooftops. I'm like, God, you, you can preach truth in a way that I can't. You can defend me in a way that I can't. So I just didn't. And so, I mean, literally had a mini exodus of people and it was horrible. It was brutal. Did not mm-hmm. initiate a single conversation. I think until about eight months later, I reached out just to a few very close friends. I'm talking like four or five people. That's it. And I just said, hey, I just wanted to touch base with you. Do you have any questions about things? And again, said, if I say any dishonoring things, and that was powerful. Here's what's so crazy about the hand of God and his faithfulness. He's a really good defender. Amen. And he does shout things from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, and that's true for, for both of us too. And uh, character will always be revealed over time. You can't control your reputation. Your reputation may get trashed tomorrow. Your character, that's the only thing you control. You can't control reputation. The more you try to control reputation, boof. It first off is exhausting to control your reputation. God's just like, let me control your reputation. I'm I'm concerned about your character. That's what I'm concerned Amen. about. Focus on that. That will always be revealed in me and of others over time. And so it's been two and a half years now. And uh, every so often, I mean, just I got a couple emails this in the last week. Hey, Adam, uh, I just wanted you to know, man, that message on Sunday was really, really good. Hmm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, won't he do it? Yeah, like you you listened to my my message? What? So to talk about that season in the book, there was no like uh, even even here I'm not going to share any details about anything. No, right. Yeah. It's been just it's hard because like even now you want to defend yourself mm-hmm. and yet I learned a whole bunch through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what uh, you what you meant for evil God used for good. Mm-hmm. And I can't get to the place that I said that I can say I'm thankful it happened, mm-hmm. but I absolutely can see all the good from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just like what we've talked about, like me actually, like, no, this is actually true love that I'm offering now instead mm-hmm. of like, will you love me? And and just God had to reorientate some things in me that were just way out of control. But but again, we God is a really good defender and mm-hmm. and he just is. And so uh, when, when I cross paths with someone that I know 
spoke horrible things about me, I just love him. Yeah. Oof. And I just do. Like, I almost I, like don't want to talk. Like I don't want to. I know that's where the rest of this conversation is going <laughs> to go. And I'm like, don't tell me I have to love these people who have like stab you in the back and then you turn around to talk to them and they stab you in the gut. Like those people, you know, like, uh, and it's, and it's hard. And you know, my brain knows what scripture says and, and not to make this super, I don't want to go super personal with it. I don't feel a need to stick a knife in their gut. I don't feel a need. I don't even necessarily always feel a need to defend myself, but love them. Yep. But <laughs> and I, I, so I, I did want to get revenge. Yeah, that's one way is that threes and eights are so different. Is that like you can't like the perception of you is important, so important. And I just don't care. I'm like, you want to think that I'm this terrible person? Cool, go in peace. Like, so true. I felt yeah. yeah I, that's that's so true. And it's neither are good though. <laughs> neither are neither neither are good. And I that that part of a three makes me want my skin want to crawl like. Cause I, I hope I'm the most genuine person. Like I really, I feel like I live who I am. So I had, a, I mean, horrible, I could not believe all the ugliness in my soul. And I, mm-hmm. I thank God for the Holy spirit. I mean, there the moments where I'm just like, I just want to throw the smack down. Literally, yeah. as soon as it happens, I cross paths with that person. And God's like, you're going to love them. You're going to love them. You're going to love them. Hey, uh-huh, how's it going? Uh-huh. And I'm not even being fake. I feel like I'm empowered by the spirit in that moment. Yes. Hey, how are things going? How are you guys doing? Oh, awesome. And I'm not feeling fake because I'm not, I'm not good at fake. Like I, yeah. I can't lie for the life of me. And so, me and so in those moments, God's like, you're, it's just almost like a light switch flips on. You're going to love them. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then again, that few core friends, because uh, hurt and grief and all these different things, it takes time. You don't heal overnight. Amen. And it's not linear. It's not. I'm, I'm always amazed by how I'm like, I'm doing so well. And then I see <laughs> one Facebook post. I'm doing oh. so well. And then I cross paths with one person and it just all flares up again. That's a part of healing though. Like, I think Amen. that's just a part of like, God is bringing more to the surface. Okay. Hand that over to me. And uh, it's really, really hard and it's impossible to do on our own. It's impossible to do on our own. I'm so glad how I lived out the last two years. I'm, and that's only to, to God. But, but the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. That's how I can do it. Because on my own, I want to body slam and slash tires. You know, I want to <laughs> burn down small villages. You know, like that like legitimately. <laughs> yeah. My soul. yeah. Like the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. And again, yeah. there's this parts of God. It makes me even more thankful for Jesus because I'm just like, I'm feeling an ounce of betrayal and I'm imperfect. I wasn't blameless in everything. God, oh, right. you felt you got tortured on a cross and you were perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And yet I can't imagine. And then you chose me. You chose to do another miracle for me. You chose to yeah. die on a cross for me. Yeah. Oh. Really quick, wanted to tell you about a business boot camp that I am actually taking part in that I wanted to invite you to do with me. If you don't follow Jennifer Allwood, first of all, you should be because I have learned every single thing that I know about business and making money from her. She is the master of teaching women how to make money online without losing your mind. And so March 15th, she is launching her Better Way Boot Camp which is all about how to use your skill set with your audience and make money online without feeling crazy and like you are spinning your wheels. So her bootcamp is going to include expert trainings all about the eight different revenue streams that you can be using online. It's going to include daily action items, a private Facebook community, exclusive bonus content. And in this bootcamp, you are going to learn why your business needs to be online, what's possible, like what are the options, which options actually make the most sense for you, where to start and how to get going. The bootcamp is only $10 and it starts March 15th. So if you want to do it with me, head to crappychristianco.com slash better way, all one word, and get signed up for $10 and we can learn how to continue to make money in the online space the most efficient way possible. So crappychristianco.com slash better way. 
Okay, you guys know I'm always recommending books to you. It's kind of my job. And as much as I love sitting down and actually reading a book, that hardly ever happens. Instead, I listen to them on Audible when I'm in the car, when I'm doing dishes, sometimes even when I'm working out. Right now, I'm listening to A Mind of Your Own by Kelly Brogan. Definitely put that one on your list. But the way Audible works is you pay $15 a month. You get one credit that you can use on a book. And if you don't use that credit, it rolls over to the next month for up to a year. So since you're a listener of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash crappy Christian. You can pick your first audiobook for free today. And if you aren't sure what book to start with, I always suggest When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. So just go to audibletrial.com slash crappy Christian to start your free 30 day trial. Okay, let's get back to the show. I appreciate that you start Love Has a Name with love being hard (laughs) that it's not fluffy and here's all the fun lovey stuff it's no this is hard here are some honest handed situations and feelings where I have been hurt and wronged by others and had to you know choose love didn't necessarily feel it and so how tangibly. And I love that you talked about the Holy Spirit empowering your efforts, even in loving people, because I think that's really important. But how do you love someone well after, like after they hurt you? (laughs) Do you have the answer to the million dollar question? (laughs) I think a few different things. First thing, love doesn't always look like love. Sometimes love means saying no. Sometimes love means saying you hurt me. Uh, sometimes love means calling the cops in abusive situa- situations. Yeah. Sometimes love doesn't always look like love. One of my, my favorite recent interviews I did was with Gary Thomas, and he talks about <gasps> toxic relationships. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He is my, people can't see me right now, but my hands are in the air. <laughs> She's he worshiping. He is my favorite interview I have ever done. And when to walk away changed my life. It's incredible, isn't it? Changed my life. And all the times that Jesus walks away from people. Yes. Again, sometimes love doesn't always look like love. And I, I, I think we as Christians need to hear that. It it doesn't mean, this is what it doesn't mean. It, love does, does mean that you're not going to gossip about somebody. You're not going to slander Amen. somebody. You're not going to intentionally try to harm somebody. If you have the right theology and you are in the right and you use things like gossip and betrayal and slander, now you're in the wrong. Yeah. Like you being right in the head, but making wrong methods and wrong decisions does not make you right. And God will not honor that. And, that, and, and God, God, I mean, like Jesus says, every careless word uh, will be judged before me someday. Every careless word. Oh, well, and I think that that people get in trouble with that because of what you're saying, where they feel and think that they are entitled to because they feel so wronged. Well, I'm not gossiping. I'm not slandering. I'm just sharing what happened or how it made me feel where, you know, that's where discernment Discernment. and filtering everything through the Holy spirit is so important because so important. I've started like hinting at it on my Instagram when you and I are interviewing just went through a massive, painful, grief-filled friendship loss. Yeah. It's literally one of the hardest things I've ever walked through, which is why I identify so much with the stories that you're telling. And I have like dumped how I felt about it into journals and Google documents and the notes app on my phone. Yes. But you don't process publicly what you haven't healed from privately. That's it. That's it. And that in itself can sometimes be the purest form of discernment is like, it's not that I can't write these words. It's that they're not for public consumption. That's right. And that doesn't mean that they won't ever be. Yep. You know, like you talk about that. And that was honestly part of like, I kind of like selfishly asked that question of how you've navigated this because 
I know that there is going to come a time, whether it's my book or just down the road where God is going to have me. And he has been encouraging me to share pieces of what he's revealed in myself, in my interactions with relationships. I know that he is going to have me tell this story in some form or fashion, but I will do it when I am healed, when I can do it without it being spiteful or wanting that person to see it. And I think that is important. Write the words. I just said this to somebody the other day who's walking through kind of something different. I'm like, write the words, write every single word and then put it away. And then months from now, when you can talk about this without getting fired up or reigniting the hurt, go back and walk through it with the Holy Spirit and let him reveal to you what he has for other people. That's right. I think initially, we right away when we're hurt, we want to start preaching on how to heal from hurt while we're hurting. It's like, uh, I don't gonna, know if I'm going to write yet. that down. It's like, I don't think you're ready to start preaching on how to deal with hurt, you know? And, it, and you lose street cred first off because you can tell that you're bleeding as you're talking about <sighs> being healed, you know? You're like bleeding I mean, on everybody. Yeah, you are. And it, so it's not helpful to anybody. But again, that timing thing, once more, I didn't reach out to a single person for like seven, eight months, close friends I hadn't even talked with. So that took seven, eight months. And then it was two and a half years later that I mentioned it briefly in a a book. It was just discernment. I love that. Yeah. Like that's such a healthy response. And even that, like I ran it through my core people. Mm -hmm. I ran it through and said, is this too much? Mm -hmm. Like, am I sharing too much? And even allowed them to edit my words on the timing of what should be said. And maybe in 10 years, I can get more specific. Exactly. You know, in 10 or even five years, I can get more specific about, okay, here's what actually happened, man. It sucked. But it's just like, I want to honor God uh, with, with my words. Mm -hmm. Cause again, he, he just defends and he cares for, for us so much. Uh, that I want to stay right in step with him because what a sucky thing to look back on how if I would have talked trash and those closest to me now are even even people who um, aren't on staff with me would walk through fire for me Mm -hmm. because they see how I handled it and they're just like oh my gosh and specifically you know some of my friends have experienced similar things or smaller things Mm -hmm. knowing what I went through yeah and now it wasn't until a year and a half later that street cred came to me. Yeah. All of a sudden, oh my gosh, Adam. I get I experienced it. one person and I can't even imagine. And so it's just, there's something amazing about really walking through that well. Mm-hmm. And so I think caring for your soul, getting counseling, having that core, running to Jesus. And I think also just like remembering the speck in your own eye. Like mm. I'm trying not to be too Jesus here, no, but, yeah. but remembering, this, remembering the speck in your own eye, like we're quick to do exactly what we talk sideways about other people about. <laughs> yeah. And so Lord, would you just highlight that? Would, because you love us so much, would you, would you highlight the hypocrisy yeah. in our lives? Make life? me aware. Yeah. Would you highlight it so much and make us tremble when we do it? Would you just highlight that because you care about us? And then like, would you just help us heal? Would you just like, would you just heal us? And, and again, healing takes time, deeply healing with things. Another resource I can't say enough about is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Gazzaro. Yes. His, yes. his book helped me that process that pain so well. Again, I'm talking so much Jesus, but um, what he says- How um, dare you? Yeah, well, he says, he <laughs> says, I am the vine on the branches and I will, pr- I will prune those so they can pr- produce much fruit. I preached on that before I went through this hard season. Now I want to preach on it because I know what it's talking about. But I, I, I yeah. preached on it. And at that time, I called a local winery and I t- asked them about the pruning process. The guy wasn't a Christian. And so I was actually glad he wasn't because I didn't want the Christian spin on it. Yeah. And he said, when pruning to the untrained eye, it looks like I'm killing the vine. Because pruning isn't just kind of like snip, snip, like, oh, it's totally fine. He's like, I'm hacking at the core mm-hmm. of this vine. Now I'm mm-hmm. like, oof, to the untrained eye, and to, which is me. It felt like two years ago, I was being killed. I mean, it felt like God wasn't pruning me. It felt like he was hacking me at my core. You're killing your plants. You're killing me, God. This feels like you're killing me. And he said, he says like, no, 
I'm doing it for your good. I'm doing it because you are growing. You need some pruning. I'm doing this so you can produce more fruit. And um, man, that hurt. I mean, it, it, again, it just to the untrained eye, I'd never been through it before. So I was untrained. It felt like I was being killed. And God's just like, I care about you so much. I actually want to produce more fruit in you, Adam. And um, you, you thought this was, this was meant for evil. It was meant for evil. But I'm, I'm using this for so much good. And uh, I'm going to raise you up. And things are going to happen that you wouldn't even expect from this it's super rude when guests make me cry. Like how, why? Like you can't come on somebody else's podcast and make them cry on their own podcast. You're not allowed to do that. Like, uh, I appreciate that you kept dialoguing because you knew I was like, I, was trying, like, I better to, keep like, talking. Trying I better to keep... like dry your eyes, but it's true. Like, God, you're killing me. You're tearing things away from me that were grafted. Yeah into me that I thought I was going to, that were going to be a part of me forever. And you're ripping them away. Like, why would you do that? But he's so faithful that I I really do believe that you're never going to walk through that. And it might not be the next week. It might not be the next year, but you are going to be able to look back and see what he did. You know, you said at one point, I'm vigorously taking notes. But you said at one point, like, love doesn't always look like love. <laughs> and I think that the same is true for the way that you can look yeah. back on these things, right? That that the answer to why that pruning and that tearing happened may not sound... Pre- it may be they weren't supposed to grow with you. It may be that they weren't supposed to come with you or you weren't supposed to go with them or, you know, that they were distracting you from what God wanted to do. You know, it's not all the answer isn't going to always be, well, that was just the season. And it, and I think that that's true. I do think that friendship can be seasonal, but sometimes the answer like almost hurts itself. Well, I want, I wanted them to come with me. I wanted to go with them or, you know, and I think that that can be like a whole another layer of having to heal from what the reason actually was. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so crazy because I look at people now that I respect. When I sat down with Mark Batterson, he said, I never trust a pastor without a limp. And, uh, and I couldn't believe that came from Mark Batterson because Mark Batterson is one of the most joy-filled, life-giving humans to be around. And so I didn't, I, I just assumed he had never been through some hardship. Right. I'm a fool. <laughs> anybody that, anybody who's being used by God has, has been through some hardships. Yep. And I, I feel the same way. I'm like, I look at the people now that I'm drawn to the most. It's the ones who've experienced pain and heartache and came out on the other side stronger and assuming the best about people and loving the people still. That's, that's what it did. But one of my closest friends, and this is a really weird example to share. And I, I kind of would even back and forth on sharing it. So I did a two book deal. I'm the only person that I'm aware of kind of in the Christian circle that's ever published a book in South Dakota. Oh, So uh, there's people who self-publish, which is awesome. Yeah. But I'm the only person that I'm aware of that's published whatever. So I can remember when I got the book deal, uh, one of my mentors, right like the week I was signing a two book deal, uh, really went through a public kind of disgrace. <sighs> and it was wrong. How he was, I mean, it was, it was total garbage. His name was totally trashed. I mean, it was just, it, it made me sick. And before writing a book, I didn't want to write a book because I knew specifically in kind of South Dakota, oh, here's this celebrity pastor. Oh, Adam thinks he's big now. Oh, okay. He's, oh, he's verified on Instagram too. Of course. <laughs> like, again, like those things are not a, po- a positive thing in kind of in smaller areas. Yeah. And so with, with my first book, I kind of went into it with fear and trembling and there was some sidewaysness. Yeah. I mean, like day of release had some people post on Facebook. Like my, I guess my pastor thinks he's whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just, I hated it. I hate it. It's the exact reason I didn't want to write a book. I didn't want to write a book. I didn't, I ran away from it. Like yeah. there was no part of me. It was so crazy. So one of my closest friends said, he brought up one day, he's like, I don't know why when this second book comes out, I feel like everybody's going to be in your corner. Like, I just feel like everybody, Adam, he's like, isn't it crazy to think maybe like one of the reasons that there was a mini exodus was to kind of change like the crew around you, even in the church, <sighs> this second, this second book released 
even like on the staff, the first one, it was just hard. You can yeah. just feel some sideways. I mean, the staff, the second one, we had an all staff just about the release. There were several people who stood up crying and were like, I think we should tell everybody about this book. I think we should push it out to everybody. The entire church. I mean, it was just like, why wouldn't we talk about this? Why? Mm. And it was just the total. And again, like, but I want these people to come with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they're my friends. I've cared for them for 10 years. And God's like, I know that, but like, this is what I have for you. Yep. And so, and so I need to do this again, different than an eight. I'm not like, peace. See yeah. you later. Yeah. I'm so glad because now I can achieve my destiny. I right? don't feel that. I'm like, I'm like, can't we all be friends? Like, <laughs> please. Like you can stay at my house. Yeah. Like, do you want a chicken? I'll give you eggs. Like, you know, like, like, what do you want? Do you want to, do you want to ride in my own car that I love? Like, yeah. yeah. You know, do, do you want money? Like I'll give right. you money. You want a limb? So like, like, yeah. And so like, literally like that, I'm like, that's how I feel. And God's just like, I know. And so again, I didn't cause this, but I, I have to use this for your good because you, you just don't have any eight in you. Like you are the, <laughs> you just don't. And so I need to help you. And literally I look back and now I can say, thank you, God. Hmm. And that's just the faithfulness of God. That's the faithfulness of what he's doing that we can't always see, that we don't like, that's really uncomfortable that God does in our lives because he cares for us and loves us. Now, there's moments where we make mistakes and people walk out. Absolutely. There's moments where we're a, where we're a fool, where we're unchristlike, and and there, there's a part of us sometimes in church world where it's like I'm holy, and that's why people are walking away from me. Mm. Uh, actually, in the Bible, there was a lot of people who walked away from Jesus. Rarely were there the were they the sinners and the tax collectors. They were typically the holy people who left. Yep. You know, they were to- typically the people who had it all figured out, and they were so holy and buttoned up. Those are the people who walked away from. Jesus. And so they didn't get closer. They were yeah. the ones who hit for the hills. And the people who got closer were the sinners and tax collectors. Who knew who they were. And so that's even something to look when, when I turn people off because I'm, I'm so passionate about Jesus. Is it the sinners and tax collectors or is it the holy people? Ooh. I mean, that's a good, like, again, like in church world, like I'm proud that people walk away because I'm, I'm preaching the truth and I'm so holy. Well, if it's only tax collectors and sinners who are leaving you in that way you are unlike jesus ah that's a word okay so we're at a point in the conversation where i could choose to like close us out and it be the normal length of a podcast episode but i'm not doing that today so we're just gonna Bring keep it going out. let's do this <laughs> like this you you like tied that up really nicely where this could be like a 45 minute episode but i don't want to do that <laughs> and it's done and it's done. <laughs> i don't feel like doing that today because you said something that i think is really important to talk about that is what god is revealing to me or you alluded to this and i want to talk about it yeah you were talking about that god will defend you and this thought went through my mind of laying down other people's burdens yeah that often that hurt that is inflicted by others is they are putting my friend uses the analogy of a bucket they are putting their own pain and trauma and insecurities and struggles into your bucket yeah for you to carry and one of the things that i have been going back and forth with with jesus i like to call it grappling is bear one another's burdens and come to me, all ye who are weary and heavily burdened, for my yoke is easy. Like that, there are times and places and situations where you like go shoulder to shoulder with your people and you carry, you take right. their burden and you carry it for them. And then there's a difference between that and someone heaping things into your lap so that they true. need to be giving Jesus. And that, that honestly, has been what has ended relationships for me. Yeah. And it sounds like that was a lot of your experience as well, that they, yeah. they heard things and chose to believe them and that that was their, their stuff. That was their stuff. It's so hard to discern that. That takes discerning with God. It takes discerning with friends. It even even talking to the counselor to just discern mm-hmm. some of those those things. A couple of weeks ago, it reminded me of a message. A guy on staff named Travis talked to preach a message on compassion fatigue mm. and how we're so aware of 
all the pain in the entire world going on that we try to carry it all. In our world, it's really interesting. Our world with compassion fatigue says you need to know everything about everything. But, but here's their weirdness. And by knowing they're loving, right. not by actually doing anything, right. you just need to be fully aware. Well, yeah. knowing doesn't help anything. No. And so we know everything, but we're not doing anything. Anything. Because we're exhausted. I literally exhausted. yesterday on Instagram posted, if you do not have the capacity to care about all the things all the time, it makes you human. human. Not insensitive, not uneducated, not selective. Human. Human. It's a very unpopular thing though right now because you need to know everything yes. about everything. And if you don't, you're foolish and ignorant mm-hmm. and you just don't know. Yeah. Yep. And so it's yep. like, no. We're supposed to not just know about pain. We're supposed to help pain, but we can't do that for everybody. And so that mm-hmm. discernment is, is uh, the, again, the, my pastor friend, he talked about what weight is yours to carry? We're not supposed to carry everybody's weight, but we are supposed to carry someone's weight. And so mm-hmm. I, I think figuring out and discerning who that is and what is something that can be carried from a, a human standpoint and what can be carried from only Jesus. Early on, my wife would remind me, she said, you're you're not Jesus, so stop trying to replace him. You can be like him and you're called to be like him, but you can't replace him. Yeah. My very first funeral was a guy that took his life, a young dad, seven hours after I met with him. I was 24 years old and he was two years younger than me. I was devastated. Mm. I, I mean, it's I still have images in my head I'll never forget. Yeah. And um and so I had to discern, like, what's mine to carry in that? And what's, yes. What was, yes. What was his? Because that there's a lot of unhealthiness. If everything's on me, I should have known he was going to kill yep. himself. I should have known he was suicidal. Even though he didn't tell me, I should have known. No, my, my, my burden to carry in that was to be with him in the moment, answer his questions, love on him, care for him. And then after he took his life, to speak into his family and to care for them. Yeah. The burden is not mine that he stay alive like that. I can't do that. Jesus mm-hmm. can, I can point him to the right places. Again, I can encourage him, whatever, but that discernment is so important. Uh, one of the things I often pray, and this is maybe helpful for anybody on the way home from work as a new pastor, I needed to intentionally pray, God, I give all these burdens over to you. And so at the end of the day, I, I would pray, God, if there's anything I can do in my power, would you help me to do it? A phone call, mm-hmm. a follow-up, you know, like oftentimes in, in conversations, you should meet so-and-so like, and that's right. not from you. That's from God. Like you need yeah. to connect with so-and-so or have you ever been to a counselor or have you ever thought about this scripture? I'll get that yeah. to you. And then we don't, that's on us to follow through with. Amen. You know, like Amen. it actually, no, like, no, the two of you need to connect. Here is that phone number for that counselor. Here is that scripture I told you about. Hey, like you can be in my, my small group, like that's on us to carry, but there's other things that are not ours. Other people's mm-hmm. bitterness and crap and crud, that's not us ours to carry. Amen. We can help that person hand it to Jesus. And a close friend, maybe it's, gosh, like, Blake, I like really love you. And um, I can just care, like just tell there's a lot of bitterness. Have you ever thought about handing that to God? Because I've struggled with bitterness mm. too myself. It's an ugly thing and it's just gonna, it's like a cancer. This is a verse that really carried me through that. Or would you care if I prayed for you? That's carrying Mm. the weight I'm supposed to carry. Carrying Mm. weight that I'm not supposed to carry is, oh my gosh, that's on me. Yeah, this is about me. Yeah, this is defining and identifying me. Yeah, like I'm like, now I'm weighted down and like, what did I do to cause that? And the ship set with me. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's like, no, that's not me. That's not mine to carry. That's Jesus. Jesus can do that. And so I think that discernment, there's no right, just crystal ball answer. No. Yeah. With the people in your inner circle, you are called to bear their burdens, not their mm-hmm. bitterness. Again, there's the discernment there, but I just think in our world, once so I'm kind of counteracting myself here, we're so flaky. And um, mm. when our inner circle, when they have a fallout, and they have the gossip mill is about them. We better be in their corner. Amen. When, when they're at the center of it, we better be standing with them. But it might hurt my reputation. Jesus hung out and ruined his reputation all over the place. That was like but, his MO. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you're jacked up and everybody hates you? Let's be cool. friends. You're my people. You know? And so that is on us to carry. Like I, now, when I see people going through crap, 
I had a friend not too long ago make a really stupid decision and it was really public. I immediately reached out and for Mm -hmm. the next week just kept touching base. Hey, you doing okay? This is going to blow over. It's going to, it's going to be old news next week. You might get hate. You might even lose your job over this. And again, it was their fault. It it was Uh a decision, but that doesn't change. I'm still their friend and I'm still in their corner. Amen. Just because now is maybe not their best time to be a, a good friend of theirs. And two weeks ago, it would have been a huge benefit for me to be their best friend. I better still be their best friend, even though it's now a detriment to my reputation. Yes. And I just think, I think as Christians, we are so flaky. Mm-hmm. And um, at the church, someone screws up, the church backs away. What if we got close? Ooh. You know, someone's reputation's being ruined. We just got close. Not saying that we agreed with what they did. Jesus didn't agree with the woman caught in adultery, exactly. but she was. He stood with her. I'm still with her. I'm still for her, not against her. And then he stood with her. And then what did she do? She turned around and was like, "Y'all come and see and hear yes. and be known, because somebody saw and knew me past what I've done." And that, to me, is the perfect example of what loving like Jesus looks like. Is Even if you are in a situation where you aren't acting like who Jesus says you are or or that someone you love isn't acting like who Jesus says they are, I can be Jesus and say, this is not who you are. Like, this is not, you are not functioning in the fullness of how God has gifted you and created you. And because of that, I am paying for it. Other people are paying for it. The kingdom is paying for it. And I love you too much to let you stay that way. And that's on you, but how they respond to it isn't. Yes. And obviously like the prayer is that they hear that and they receive that and God opens their eyes and they, and then they can turn around and they can do it for somebody else. Yes. They, it's like, it's literally a ripple effect. And I've had that experience. I've and that's being on the receiving end and the giving end of that is the worst. It is. Both sides of it are terrible. But I've been on the receiving end of, hey, I love you, but you're acting crazy. Yeah. Like, I love you, but this is not who you are. Yes. And being able to hear that has helped me turn around and do it for other people. And that is, to me, like the chain effect of the woman at the well. That's right. Like, see people for who Jesus sees them as. That's it. And tell them. That's right. And then they can do the same. If you approach somebody and stay by them at their lowest moment, if they're, if they're not seeing their foolishness, then it, you speak truth to them. If they have seen their foolishness, you don't need to speak an ounce of truth because they're yelling it at them. All you need is grace in Amen. that moment. Either way, you stay by somebody at their lowest moment. I can't guarantee this, but they will follow you anywhere. Mm-hmm. You show up on somebody's worst day, when everybody else is walking away, they'll, they'll follow you anywhere. And more than that, they will be curious if they don't know Jesus to know the Jesus that you follow. Amen. And for me, uh, one of the greatest honors, I've been saying this a lot, like a lot lately, uh, I'm always grateful when someone calls me on their best day. Like it's always fun to be a part of somebody's best day. Mm-hmm. But for me, the greatest honor is when someone reaches out to me on their worst day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the day that I want to be there. I'm yes. like, wow. You must really trust me. Yeah. You must really respect me that you on your worst day would reach out to. Like I, I pray I'm someone's first phone call on their crappiest day yes. because those are the moments that are holy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important to shout out our favorite, Gary Thomas. Yes. And say that you can do that for people. You can be that for people. And if they need to shove it back in your face and, and they're not receptive yes. and they go on the, the defensive, like you have done your part. That's you right. have walked out like the biblical, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so terrible at biblical references. I, like <laughs> I cannot remember addresses to save my life. But in Matthew where Jesus is, is instructing us on conflict resolution, basically, like, yes, You've walked that out. Yes. And you have, as long as your plan and your hope is to restore them and call them up and not out. I think that Jesus, like, so you said something about burden versus bitterness. And I have had three of my closest people in the last two weeks tell me, I think you got to put this down. I think you got to put this down. And, you know, it's so funny because earlier I was like, I don't care if people walk away. 
and I'm maybe needing to retract that. But <laughs> actually, actually, it turns out I'm I'm not an eight. I might be a three. Oh God, I'm not a three at all. But I have grown in my capacity to like want to keep people in my life, and yes. that was not easy for those people to say like. Hey, I love you, but like you're running a rat race that wow. I don't think God has you on. And I think like it is impeding your ability to run your race. So put it wow. down. Mm. And I just think that it, this whole thing is so dynamic and multifaceted and difficult and different situations require different things of us. But the one thing that has remained consistent through this entire conversation, through you and I's different but similar situations is that God is faithful. And when you're choosing to be open-handed and be a vessel, he's going to do it. Like, And it might suck. (laughs) It might suck. It might hurt. You might get stabbed in the back. But what the enemy meant for harm, he's going to use for good. And I just, if people listening walk away with nothing else, I just want it to be that, that even the stuff that you are flat on your back thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get up. I don't know how I'm going to come back from this. He always picks you up. He always sets you on your feet and holds your arms up and walks you through it. Always, every single time. If you, if someone would have told me that I would be standing in the sweetest season of my life mm-hmm. in every way, shape, or form, I would have said that's impossible. I mean, impossible. Mm-hmm. I am in the sweetest, healthiest, most life-giving season of my life. I can't believe it. Now, like I, I can't wait to see what God has in store. Like at just my excitement. Yeah. It's just like, I don't even know what's coming, God, but I know something wonderful is coming. I can remember last, last thing on this. I can remember during the middle of it, one of my closest friends is my very first time hire at the church. So we had a bunch of staff leave during this time. I mean, like a bunch. And, and this guy came to me at the very beginning of it and then came to me again and said it halfway through. He said, you're going to hate to hear this. And I'm like, okay, I, I, can't, I, I can't handle too much more. What are you going to say? Right. And he said, for 10 years as a church, everything we touch has turned to gold. Everything. We couldn't make a mistake for 10 years if we tried. I mean, explosive growth as a church for 10 years. And he said, here's the part that you're not going to want to hear. And I'm like, okay, okay. He said, I feel like we needed to go through something like this mm-hmm. in order to take the next step as a church. <sighs> and I'm like, What? And he's like, I've just so felt like we've needed to go through something like this in order to move forward. Mm. Anybody in their right mind would say, that is not a good technique or plan or strategy. Yeah. You know, but I look at it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's true. And so I think for, for through that season, again, it's very different uh, if you're being a, a stubborn mule that's foolish and outside the will of God. There's different, mm-hmm. there's different apply, applying for that. Even that though, God can use it for good. But that person who's gone through that season of just hurt and par- pain and heartache and betrayal and blah, jadedness, like God is so faithful, stay close to him mm-hmm. and he moves uh, and he bears more fruit and it feels like he's killing you. <sighs> and yet, yet he's actually using it for good. Oh, Adam, I could make this be a four part series <laughs> and we just talk for four hours, but I want to respect your time and the listener's time. So to close this out, tell people where they can find you, follow you. I'm sure the book, you can get it when yeah. you get books. And then tell that you have a podcast as well. So share about all that. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on any social. I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter. It's Adam A. Weber on Instagram, just Adam Weber on Twitter. The books are available any place uh, that books are sold. So everywhere from Amazon, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, add it to your grocery list. You can get it there. <laughs> Uh, my podcast is called The Conversation. Uh, new episodes come out every Wednesday. I get to sit down with some wonderful guests. I always try to get to the story behind the story. Like like yeah. even today, I did an interview with a guy. I had never heard his life story. And I'm like, that's amazing. Why is yeah. this never? He's like, I've never been asked about it. Yeah. And so just love the podcast, I think is more for me than anybody else. Absolutely. It's like, uh, it's like I get to go to a conference and get to talk with the, the main speaker for 45 minutes about whatever. So that's a little bit about me, but Blake, this has been incredible. I loved this. And I just appreciate you so, so much. It's been, it's been an absolute delight.
Thank you. I feel the same way. Even though you made me cry, I'm going (laughs) to still say that you were a great guest and I enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. Oh, thank you. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No-cost gen ed provided by Strayer University affiliates of Field Learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.